Psalm 80 and uh, read 19 verses of this psalm, Psalm 80, 1 through 19. Beginning to read then with verse 1 of this psalm. Hear now the word of the Lord. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and so uh, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow, and the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent out boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges, so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit. The boar out of the wood woods uproots it, and the wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech thee, uh, you, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, and visit this vine and the vineyard which you brought, which your right hand has planted, and the branch that you made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire, it is cut down, they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man, whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O God, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. May the Lord bless this reading to our good understanding. As I say in the sermon outline there, to, to aid our lively faith, God provides us with vivid pictures to stir us up unto confidence and faith. Thus it is in Psalm 80, especially verses 3, 7, and 19. Now this is a psalm that it doesn't just promote some sort of easy believism or an easy an easy answer, as if everything will be all right. Indeed, the psalm deals with the persecution of Israel. It's a psalm that came to the people when they were low, when the the boar was running through the land, like wild boars will, with the snout in the ground. It will just rip things up and consume that which it has not planted. And they had enemies coming from afar that were disturbing them. But in the face of all this turmoil, we have this great and lovely picture where the psalmist cries out to the Lord, uh, let your face shine on us. Let your face shine on us and we shall be saved. So it's this really positive message in the midst of this bleak landscape. And it even mentions in Psalm in uh, verse 17, it says, Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man 
whom whom you made strong for yourself, then we will not turn back from you. Revive us again and we will call upon your name. So there's even a messianic reference here in this psalm that that the um, that the coming of the Son of Man, that the reviving of his strength would work to the building up of the kingdom of God. And so for those people that do not have a messianic vision of the, of the Old Testament, uh, we have so many of these references like that in here. But the thing I wanted to focus upon was this lively picture of, the, of God's shining face where the psalmist prays, shine upon us, cause your face to shine upon us, and we shall be saved. We see that in verse 3, we see it again in verse 7, and then we see it at the very end of the psalm. Um, So I was going to ask the kids today, there aren't that many here, but uh, I was going to ask the kids, uh, have you ever made faces at someone? Uh, Have you ever thought of that? Have you heard that phrase. Many, most people have. And uh, most kids have made faces at each other when they either for joking or because they were really mad at each other. And they they Google their eyes up or make their faces frown or stick out their tongues or, you know, wiggle their hands behind their ears, something like that. Uh, and and make this uh, make this face the most grotesque face that they could possibly make. Well, uh, this psalm trades on the dynamics of the face and the fact that uh, the face, our faces, manifest a lot of our personality. Now, in this case, it's it's suggesting or associating the face, the physical face that we have, it's associating this idea with the Lord. And it's calling upon the Lord to shine his face upon us. And the idea is if only we would see the shining face of God, then we would be strengthened. We would be uh, manifested in strength. We would be be built up in strength, merely by the, the, the pleasant and lovely and powerful shining of the face of God. So that's the image that I want you to think about here. Um, two weeks ago, I was kind of down in the dumps one day, and I got to, I, uh, when I uh, got to the hospital that day to do some work, I opened to this psalm, pretty much of a lucky dip, and I read it, and it brought me to tears because I, I could just see how wonderful the, the message of this psalm was. It, call, it was calling to me that day, Dick, look for the shining face of the Lord. There is your strength. And I know that God is not dependent upon the affairs of this world for his strength, for the shine of his face. God's face is there as it is, and God's face shines all the time, whether we see it or not. And so the fact that, uh, that I felt kind of down that day and discouraged, but I was aware the Lord, the Holy Spirit, brought an awareness to my heart of the shining face of God. And uh, in my near despair that day, I I could see spiritually, I could see the shining face of the Lord. And it not only brought me to tears, but it strengthened my heart. And I thought, you know, uh, whenever that sort of thing happens, I'm willing to break a sermon series. So we're breaking the sermon series in Amos to talk about 
the shining face of the Lord. And when you go home today, I want you to think about the shining face of the Lord. Does God's face shine for you? Do you have some appreciation for that idea? I thought to myself that someone could actually be converted by hearing a sermon on this text as they as they considered whether the, the absence of God's shining face in their life. And then uh, the Holy Spirit would bring a vision of that to their hearts and they would rejoice. And right there through the communication of the word of God, the Bible and the Holy Spirit, their hearts would be converted and changed and strengthened and rejoiced by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us consider this uh, phrase as we see it here in this text and the, and the, the psalm itself. Let us consider this for our edification and for uh, our brains capturing this image for themselves and then making good use of it in the, in the days, the weeks, and the years ahead. I, some of these images that I've heard in sermons, they have stuck with me my whole life. So may the, the idea of God's shining face be a strength to you and... Um, I think of some of the English martyrs, the Reformation, uh, like John Hooper and uh, um, <clears throat> Hugh Latimer, uh, who were burned alive at the Reformation. And uh, so often these men, because the Scottish Covenanters, so often people would say that their faces shone, though they were being destroyed by the fire, by, though they were being executed, yet their faces shone with joy because it was a spiritual joy. There's more to life than just our flesh and our blood. There's more to life than our physical strength. God is a strength unto us. And if his face shines upon us, if that radiating face shines upon us and we perceive the radiation of his love, of his covenant that is given for us, that is meant for us, that is intended for us, that is determined for us, if we get a sense of that in our own hearts, then we are lifted up and we, we really do rejoice. So, uh, first of all, I wanted to just call attention to the, the, the facial exhortation in verse 3 and, uh, and 7 and 19. The psalm begins by, by calling upon the Lord... Uh, to give ear to the people of God. And it, it, call, it begins with this phrase, O shepherd of Israel. Like the Lord, uh, like the, um, the shepherd, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He prepareth my way. He takes me beside the still waters. So it starts with this idea of, of, the, of the living God being our shepherd and being our protector and taking us um, along the way. And then it says, you who dwell between the cherubim, uh, between the cherubim shine forth. Now, if you've ever studied the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament um, and the, the Ark of the Covenant there, you know that the cherubim are, are on top of it. And you may have wondered, what's the theology of this? What does, what does God intend by this Holy of Holies, this Ark of the Covenant there? Well, we have in Psalm 80, we have an authoritative interpretation of what that's supposed to mean to us. The, the idea is that God dwelled there, uh, that uh, it tells us didactically 
that God, in, in terms of an earthly presence, he dwelt between the cherubim on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and it, it says on the basis of that, shine forth. And so wherever Zion was, wherever the church was, wherever the tabernacle was, wherever the temple was, there's this idea that God is there and that he can shine forth and strengthen his people. We are not just a people given over to a theo some theological ideas as if we had uh, some ideas that were different than Japanese Shinto or different than uh, 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 Islamic uh, uh, notions taught by Muhammad. And yes, Muhammad had his ideas and Jesus had his ideas. No, our ideas are based on the living God, the reality of God. And so that's the, I, that's the, 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 uh, the, the core of both of this idea, both the idea of the shining face and the idea of God dwelling between the cherubim in the Holy of Holies. And so on the basis of that, halfway through verse 2, it says, Stir up your strength and come and save us, O God. Restore us, O God, and cause your face to shine. Now the psalm speaks of how I love the picture here of, of this um, uh, vine. speaks of that in uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 8 and following. I love the picture of this vine because I've always been intrigued with plant catalogs, and you know they if you if you sign up to get to buy any plants from them, they you get these plant catalogs for the rest of your life, and they usually come in the spring, uh, or in the really the winter would be anticipating spring, and you get them and you, you look at them and uh, they have all these seeds and sometimes whole plants and. When it comes to grapes and things like that, you, you have to buy the vine. You buy a vine, it's not too big, about this size, it has roots on it. Usually it comes in a plastic bag of some sort. And you're, it comes just when, before you're supposed to plant your vines. And you take it and you prepare a place and you uh, put the vine in the hole and then you start to water it. And in terms of the magic of God's creation, it starts to grow. And hopefully you'll get some grapes out of that thing. Well, that sort of picture is the focus of Psalm 80 because God says he uses that picture as an illustration of what he did with Israel. Uh, Israel started out, we had a long sermon series on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob last year and the year before. And the people of God started out like that and they couldn't have children. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. Uh, then... Uh, Rebecca and Rachel, they couldn't have children. And in all of these cases, though, a nation of 12 tribes, 12 sons, the 12 sons of Jacob ultimately began to bear children, and they were having more and more and more and more. And uh, this psalm trades on that idea, that idea that they were planted in Israel uh, like a vine, and uh, their boughs, the boughs of the, this people began to fill up the land. Of course, this happened in Egypt during the captivity. God had his plan in the midst of that captivity. So we have this picture, but in this psalm, it, it's focusing on the fact that from this great work that was accomplished, the people were now being judged. God was allowing their neighbors to encroach upon their territory. He was taking away their strength because of their godlessness. And so some of the people of God, namely uh, <clears throat> namely uh, Asaph here, the psalmist, Asaph trades on this idea that God, their, their, their heavenly shepherd, 
that he was there behind them, that he was real. And the shepherd, by faith, can see the face of God, can see the, the kindness and the affection of God. And so he prays, and he calls the people to call out, uh, Shine upon us with thy face, O Lord, and we shall be saved. We shall be raised up. Oh, should America pray today for the face of God to shine upon us? As we think of our Puritan forefathers, as we think, as we think about how the governments of our land at one time were Westminster Confession people. And, and in so many cases, uh, they were dedicated to the God of the Bible, to the God of the covenant. For them, Calvinism was not a strange thing. It was a common thing. For them, family devotions and worshiping on the Lord's Day was not a hard thing. It was not aberrant. It was not uh, un, a thing unknown. It was very, they were very familiar, familiar with it. This is our background. Should we then not pray to God to shine his face on us just like Israel of old? Do we not remember the Abrahams and the Isaacs and the Jacobs of our past history here? And as we relate and coordinate the biblical patriarchs with our national patriarchs, and there are other countries like this too, as we coordinate these people and we think about God's past with us, should we not be animated to pray, uh, shine thy face upon us, O God, and we shall be saved. Now, there are many um, passages in Scripture that deal with this idea of the face. Um, in Genesis 1 and 2, it speaks of the, 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 of the darkness, the face of God being upon the deep darkness of the world. It speaks of the face of the earth, Genesis 6, 1. Um, Jacob, one of the patriarchs, said in Genesis 32:30, he says, I have seen God face to face. So he's speaking hyper-experientially and mentally about how his, his whole being was arrested by the presence of God, and he speaks of this as seeing God face to face. Now we know that God does not have a physical body. And so we know that uh, in one sense it's kind of strange. We'll deal with that more in, in point three. But uh, he uses this image of his face despite the fact that it uh, he, he's not referring to his literal face, uh, but he's referring to the the, uh, the depth of his being. And, uh, and so Jacob said, I've seen the face, I've seen God face to face, and uh, I've go, I go forward in that knowledge. Uh, in, Gen in Exodus 2.15, says Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. So we can imagine the, the resolute, angry, hard face of Pharaoh. You see, our being is reflected in our faces. Uh, that's why if you're a good psychologist or a good psychiatric doctor, you can read so much of where a person is at just by looking at their face. A person comes in and they start talking and they talk about this and that. They wonder, how does the doctor understand me so well? Well, the doctor's reading your, your, your soul, in a sense, your personality, your hopes, your dreams, your frustrations, your discouragements come through your face. And so in this case, God uses this, this image uh, uh, that he uh, speaks of uh, 
so often in the Bible, he uses this in a positive way to relate it to the gospel. Now, the opposite of that is Leviticus 17.10, where God says, I will set my face against that soul that eateth blood. There were commandments here about not eating blood, uh, the blood of animals. You're supposed to sac uh, sacrifice the blood, but not eat it. And so God, uh, God's, God wants you to really understand that this is, that this is par part of the thing that he holds dear. He doesn't want us to eat the blood. Well, here over in Scotland, um, uh, blood sausage is very popular over there in the history of the of the eating over there, of preparing meat and that sort of thing. And I used to tell the people, uh, you know, I just can't eat this stuff. It's because of the Bible. I, I never quoted this particular verse, but I should have. Uh, because when God goes to the point of saying, I will set my face, using this powerful image of his face, I will set my face against you if you eat blood from the animals, why in the world would we think it was a good idea to make our sausage out of blood? If anybody's listening from Scotland, it's another plug, another advertisement for um, uh, how we eat and prepare our food based on the Bible. I know that the food laws are no longer there, but God here is not just talking about a technical law. He's not talking about the outward aspects of his desires. When he says, I will set my face against that soul that eateth blood, I, I think that that holds some sway over our our view of what kind of meat we should uh, eat today. And so um, where there is blood, we should avoid it. But uh, the, the main thing is that God uses this image of setting his face against that. And uh, in Numbers uh, chapter 6, verse 20, uh, 24 through 26, number 6, 24 through 26, we, we learn where God told Moses about the Aaronic benediction. That is, Aaron was the priest, the high priest of Israel. So he gave Moses a, a blessing, a benediction for Aaron to, get, to say. And part of that blessing is, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. So you've heard that benediction. If you've been in the church of Christ, you've heard that benediction down through the years of your life. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 8 says, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. And, and then the next verse it says, Hide not thy face from me. So the Lord uses this image, this picture of the face of God as a powerful picture whereby uh, we can learn something about the Lord. The third point of our message here, here is to ask why the face when we know God has no body? <clears throat> why the face when we know that God has no body? Well, as I intimated before, our personalities shine out through our faces. So if you're a kid and you come out to breakfast in the morning and your, your face is cast down and you have no, uh, no joy in your, your voice, you, get, you have no happy phrases, no happy words to use. You're just cast down. Your face is looking down. And your parents know that you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, as they say. There's some reason for it. Either you're not feeling well or uh, you, you, your heart is far from the Lord. The, the Lord is the one that really generates us and gives us strength for the day. So you can't have a, a lot of excitement in your life if you're far from the Lord. But if you know the Lord, if you're excited about him, then uh, he can animate your life and your face for sure. And so 
the locus of a person, the core of a person, are often found in the face. And uh, uh, when we see the face, we see the attributes of that personality, the attributes of that person. We see a sort of a combination of the actions. When Joshua conquered the land, you better believe that his face was bright with the glory of the Lord. And so it is with us when we uh, when we do things that God approves of, uh, that we have a sense of righteousness about ourselves, even if it's not a perfect righteousness like we see in Christ. It's a happiness. It's an encouragement. It's a strength of heart. And we have that in us, and it shows out in our, in our face. I think for most of us, um, when we think of... Uh, of uh, the face, uh, kind face shining upon us. We think of our parents. And uh, I know when I have told you before that when I was a boy, uh, I was building a tree house with my brother and it was about 25 feet off the ground. It was a, it was a, a righteous height, a righteous elevation. And we had a, a stair, a stairs pounded into the tr- side of the tree there. We could climb up and it was, we made it strong. And I was taking a two by four up into the tree and and handed it to my brother and then the brother my brother let go of it and it hit, came down I didn't see it it came down and hit me right in the head right in the forehead knocked me right out of the tree I didn't I didn't know I didn't know what hit me bang I was on the ground you know about 15 feet down when I uh, when I landed on the ground and I I told you how my breath was just completely taken away from me. I couldn't breathe for a bit. And so instinctively, I started to run toward my house because I knew my mom and dad were up there. And uh, it's almost humorous, but I, I almost, when I got to the house, I, I, how did I make it to the house when I couldn't breathe, when I wasn't taking any breath? But I got there, and uh, I, I, my mother saw me coming, and it was almost as if I, I didn't care whether I lived or died because... Uh, my mother was looking in, in my face. You know, she's looking down at me. And I just thought, I'm going to be all right because of that face that's looking upon me. And uh, uh, that was all that I needed. Uh, uh, so um, we uh, <clears throat> were very encouraged by the faces of our past and especially our, our parents. And the face is revelatory, like revelation, like a prophet giving the ideas of God to us, the face is revelatory of the deeper things of our lives. And so a good exercise for each of us as people is to go and look in the mirror sometimes at ourselves and school ourselves. Look in, you look into the mirror and you say, what did, what, if I was a person walking down the street, what would this face show other people who saw me? And God forbid that you see a life, lifelessness there. In other words, you see kind of a spiritual death there. God forbid that. God, God, we, we pray that when we look into the mirror, even if we don't, even if we look into the mirror and we see kind of a, a dull face, I, I pray that it makes you kind of smile to yourself and say, come on, kid, get with it. Get with the program. Get with the kingdom of God. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And you go forth out of that bathroom like Joshua into a horde of Canaanites. You know, ready to take on the world. Because the Lord has brought a sense of his liveliness to your mind. 
may that be the case with you. May your face shine. But in this case, in this psalm, God says, if the boar is eating and roughhousing in your land, if the people of the, the land are assaulting you and you feel like you're being overrun, look to the Lord who is the source of your strength and ask him, say to us, restore us, O, o Lord of hosts, cause your face to shine upon us and we shall be saved. It's such a simple concept and yet so powerful. Restore us, O Lord, shine upon us with your face, and we shall be saved. Is that the kind of hope that you have with God? Do you have any experiential knowledge of this? If you have no experiential knowledge with this, then are you saved? Are you a believer? Are you a Christian? Way back in the Old Testament, Jacob could speak of uh, coming face to face with the Lord and having a sense of the power of his presence because he knew something of the face of God. Not the literal face of God, because God doesn't have a literal face, but God certainly has a spiritual face. And the, the eternal counsels of God shine forth from the face of God that we get in the scriptures. The scriptures from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the scriptures give us a, a, a picture of the face of God as it interacts with this world of ours. The face of God at the creation, the face of God at judgment, and the face of God as his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was baptized by John the Baptist. What did he say from heavens? Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. What do you suppose the face of God looked like as he said that to uh, John the Baptist and to his son, Jesus? Thou art my beloved son, in whom I and well pleased. Was the hope of the world not upon this Jesus, this baby who had been implanted in his mother Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit? Was that not the hope of the world? What was the face of God in the midst of that? It was nothing but joy and confidence and courage and hope and power and, and uh, uh, confidence that what God had ordained was going to come to pass. Shine upon us with the shine upon us with thy face, it says in Psalm 80, and we shall be saved. May you um, may you consider this. Now, the last point here is why the shine of his face, and uh, the the shine of his face is that is the the uh, hyper um, animation and excitement that we can have on our faces. Most of, our, most of our children get this way on their birthdays. When they, they, begin, they begin to grow as little kids and we have a birthday party for them and we teach them. We, and slowly but surely they learn this, this is the day to be excited when it's my birthday. And, uh, and we learn that as parents that there's nothing more fun than to see the excitement in the, in the face of our children. And when we can turn on our children and make them excited and make them happy, it gives us a thrill. Do you not think that this is part of why God uses this phrase to us? Uh, God teaches us by the way he creates us. He imprints his personality in us. We're created in the very image and likeness of God. And so God uses that knowledge and that understanding in scriptures like this. Uh, shine 
cause thy face to shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Uh, it's a good Puritan. It's a good Puritan sensitivity. Our forefathers had it to the max to use these experiential pictures that God gives us to realize that our faith cannot simply be the amalgamation of a lot of theological ideas. We must have a sense of the personality of God, of the power of God. He's a divine person uh, in, in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, divine persons, but it trades on these uh, phenomenological aspects of our personalities that we learn when we're parents and we're teaching our children and we're cultivating them and we're helping them to grow up. And God uses that then um, to, um, to teach us about this revelation or to help us to understand the revelation uh, better. As I said from the, the earlier illustration about the treehouse and my getting up to my, to my mother and father's house, and looking into my, the eyes of my mother, and I just, I just had a faith, even though I couldn't breathe, I just had a faith that somehow my mother would make it right. Uh, woe be to those children, or woe be to those people who, who have no memory of their mother or their father's approbation and their love of their parents. I remember Susan talking about her mother who was a school teacher and how uh, it always gave her a sense of comfort that her mother was there in the building, that no matter what happened in that school, no matter what setback came her way, that if she really needed her mother, that she could find her mother there in that building and uh, find consolation. So it is with the Lord. Uh, the Lord, especially in Christ, shows us his love. He shows us his intentions. He shows us his eternal counsels. And he tells us, look unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you help. Look unto me and see especially my shining face. If you focus upon the gleam in my spiritual eyes, you'll have a confidence that I'm your God and that you are my disciple. Let's close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pray that we would have this image etched into our minds. We pray that we would not be able to let go of it. We pray that it might strengthen us, especially in those days and times when we're discouraged. And we pray, O oh Lord, today that if there's anyone here in our congregation who does not have a sense of this excitement and this confidence in their lives, that they would begin to pray. And, and uh, even as the psalmist prayed here, shine upon me, O oh God and I shall be saved. Shine upon me, O Christ, and I will see the smile of my heavenly Father. Shine upon me, O Lamb of God, and I will know that I will not spend eternity apart from thee. I will not spend eternity alone. I will not spend eternity under the curse and the judgment of God. But I will spend eternity underneath the warm glare or the warm look, uh, the, the shiny face of the God of all love. Oh Lord, we pray that this would be the inheritance that all of us have as children and people of the Lord's house. Bless us with it, oh God. Help us not to settle for anything else. 
Let us grab the horns of the altar and pray, Lord, if we do not have thee, we are nothing. We must have thee, O Lord. Shine upon us with thy face. Shine upon us with the mercies of Christ that we could not survive another moment without thy love beaming down upon us. And bless us, O Lord, in those beams. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.